Chapter Fifty One, Part One, of Dogs and All About Them. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dogs and All About Them, by Robert Layton. Chapter Fifty One, Part One. Some common ailments of the dog and their treatment. The experienced dog owner has long ago realized that cleanliness, wholesome food, judicious exercise, and a dry, comfortable, and well-ventilated kennel are the surest safeguards of health, and that attention to these necessaries saves him an infinitude of trouble and anxiety by protecting his dogs from disease. On the first appearance of illness in his kennels, the wise dog owner at once calls in the skill of a good veterinary surgeon but there are some of the minor ailments which he can deal with himself whilst he ought at least to be able to recognize the first symptoms of the dreaded distemper and give first aid until the vet arrives to apply his remedies and give professional advice distemper although more than one hundred years have elapsed since this was first imported to this country from france a great amount of misunderstanding still prevails among a large section of dog breeders regarding its true nature and origin the fact is the disease came to us with a bad name for the french themselves deemed it incurable in this country the old-fashioned plan of treatment was wont to be the usual rough remedies emetics purgatives the seton and the lancet failing in this specifics of all sorts were eagerly sought for and tried and are unfortunately still believed in to a very great extent this temper has a certain course to run and in this disease nature seems to attempt the elimination of the poison through the secretions thrown out by the nasopharyngeal mucous membrane our chief difficulty in the treatment of this temper lies in the complications thereof we may and often do have the organs of respiration attacked we have sometimes congestion of the liver or mucous inflammation of the bile ducts or some lesion of the brain or nervous structures combined with epilepsy convulsions or chorea this temper is also often complicated with severe disease of the bowels and at times with an affection of the eyes causes whether it be that the distemper virus the poison seedling of the disease really originates in the kennel or is the result of contact of one dog with another or whether the poison floats to the kennel on the wings of the wind or is carried there on a shoe or the point of a walking stick the following facts ought to be borne in mind one anything that debilitates the body or weakens the nervous system paves the way for the distemper poison two the healthier the dog the more power does he possess to resist contagion three when the disease is epizootic it can often be kept at bay by proper attention to diet and exercise frequent change of kennel straw and perfect cleanliness four the predisposing causes which have come more immediately under my notice are debility cold damp starvation filthy kennels unwholesome food impure air and grief the age at which dogs take distemper they may take distemper at any age the most common time of life is from the fifth till the eleventh or twelfth month symptoms there is first and foremost 
a period of latency or of incubation in which there is more or less of dullness and loss of appetite and this glides gradually into a state of feverishness the fever may be ushered in with chills and shivering the nose now becomes hot and dry the dog is restless and thirsty and the conjunctive of the eyes will be found to be considerably injected sometimes the bowels are at first constipated but they are more usually irregular sneezing will also be frequent and in some cases cough dry and husky at first the temperature should be taken and if there is a rise of two or three degrees the case should be treated as distemper and not as a common cold at the commencement there is but little exudation from the eyes and nose but as the disease advances this symptom will become more marked being clear at first so too will another symptom which is partially diagnostic of the malady namely increased heat of body combined with the rapid falling off in flesh sometimes indeed proceeding quickly on to positive emaciation as the disease creeps downwards and inwards along the air passages the chest gets more and more affected the discharge of mucus and pus from the nostrils more abundant and the cough loses its dry character becoming moist the discharge from the eyes is simply mucus and pus but if not constantly dried away will gum the inflamed lids together that from the nostrils is not only purulent but often mixed with dark blood the appetite is now clean gone and there is often vomiting and occasional attacks of diarrhoea now in mild cases we may look for some abatement of the symptoms about the fourteenth day the fever gets less inflammation decreases in the mucous passages and appetite is restored as one of the first signs of returning health more often however the disease becomes complicated diagnosis the diagnostic symptoms are the severe catarrh combined not only with fever but speedy emaciation pneumonia as we might easily imagine is a very likely complication and a very dangerous one there is great distress in breathing the animal panting rapidly the countenance is anxious the pulse small and frequent and the extremities cold the animal would fain sit up on his haunches or even seek to get out into the fresh air but sickness weakness and prostration often forbid his movements if the ear or stethoscope be applied to the chest the characteristic signs of pneumonia will be heard these are sounds of moist crepitations etc bronchitis is probably the most common complication in fact it is always present except in very mild cases the cough becomes more severe and often comes on in tearing paroxysms causing sickness and vomiting the breathing is short and frequent the mouth hot and filled with viscid saliva while very often the bowels are constipated if the liver becomes involved we shall very soon have the jaundiced eye and the yellow skin diarrhea is another very common complication we have frequent purging and maybe sickness and vomiting fits of a convulsive character are frequent concomitants of distemper epilepsy is sometimes seen owing no doubt to degeneration of the nerve centers caused by blood poisoning there are many other complications and skin complaints are common after it treatment this consists firstly in doing all in our power to guide a specific catarrhal fever to a safe termination and secondly in watching for and combating complications whenever we see a young dog ailing losing appetite 
exhibiting catarrhal symptoms and getting thin with the rise in temperature we should not lose an hour if he be an indoor dog find him a good bed in a clean well-ventilated apartment free from lumber and free from dirt if it be summer have all the windows out or opened if winter a little fire will be necessary but have half the window opened at the same time only take precautions against his lying in a draught fresh air in cases of distemper and indeed in fevers of all kinds cannot be too highly extolled the more rest the dog has the better he must be kept free from excitement and care must be taken to guard him against cold and wet when he goes out of doors to obey the calls of nature the most perfect cleanliness must be enjoined and disinfectants used such as permanganate of potash carbolic acid pearsons or easel if the sick dog on the other hand be one of a kennel of dogs then quarantine must be adopted the hospital should be quite removed from the vicinity of all other dogs and as soon as the animal is taken from the kennel the latter should be thoroughly cleansed and disinfected and the other dogs kept warm and dry well fed and moderately exercised food and drink for the first three or four days let the food be light and easily digested in order to induce the animal to take it it should be as palatable as possible for small dogs you cannot have anything better than milk porridge at all events the dog must if possible be induced to eat he must not be horned unless there be great emaciation he must not overeat but what he gets must be good as to drink dogs usually prefer clean cold water and we cannot do harm by mixing therewith a little plain nitre medicine begin by giving a simple dose of castor oil just enough and no more that will clear out the bowels by one or two motions drastic purgatives and medicines such as mercury jalap aloes and podophyllin cannot be too highly condemned for very small toy dogs such as italian greyhounds yorkshire terriers etc i should not recommend even oil itself but manna one dram to two drams dissolved in milk by simply getting the bowels to act once or twice we shall have done enough for the first day and have only to make the dog comfortable for the night on the next day begin with a mixture such as the following solution of acetate of ammonia thirty drops to one hundred twenty sweet spirits of nitre fifteen drops to sixty salicylate of soda two grains to ten thrice daily in a little camphor water if the cough be very troublesome and the fever does not run very high the following may be substituted for this on the second or third day syrup of squills ten drops to sixty tincture of henbane ten drops to sixty sweet spirits of nitre ten drops to sixty in camphor water a few drops of dilute hydrochloric acid should be added to the dog's drink and two teaspoonfuls to a quart of water of the chlorate of potash this makes an excellent fever drink especially if the dog can be got to take decoction of barley barley water instead of plain cold water best made of keenan robinson's patent barley if there be persistent sickness and vomiting the medicine must be stopped for a time small boluses of ice frequently administered will do much good and doses of dilute prussic acid from one to four drops in a little water will generally arrest the vomiting 
if constipation be present we must use no rough remedies to get rid of it a little raw meat cut into small pieces minced in fact or a small portion of raw liver may be given if there be little fever if there be fever we are to trust for a time to injections of plain soap and water diarrhea although often a troublesome symptom is it must be remembered a salutary one unless therefore it becomes excessive do not interfere if it does give the simple chalk mixture three times a day but no longer than is needful the discharge from the mouth and nose is to be wiped away with a soft rag or better still some toe which is afterwards to be burned wetted with a weak solution of carbolic the forehead eyes and nose may be fomented two or three times a day with moderately hot water with great advantage it is not judicious to wet a long-haired dog much but a short-haired one may have the chest and throat well fomented several times a day and well rubbed dry afterwards heat applied to the chests of long-haired dogs by means of a flat iron will also effect good the following is an excellent tonic sulphate of quinine one eight to three grains powdered rhubarb two to ten grains extract of taraxacum three to twenty grains make a bolus thrice daily during convalescence good food viral sprats invalid food and invalid biscuit moderate exercise fresh air and protection from cold this with an occasional mild dose of castor oil or rhubarb are to be our sheet anchors i find no better tonic than the tablets of phosphorin one quarter of a tablet thrice daily rolled in tissue paper for a toy dog up to two tablets for a dog of mastiff size bronchitis dogs that have been exposed to wet or that have been put to lie in a damp or draughty kennel with insufficient food are not less liable than their masters to catch a severe cold which if not promptly attended to may extend downward to the lining membranes of bronchi or lungs in such cases there is always symptoms more or less of fever with fits of shivering and thirst accompanied with dullness a tired appearance and loss of appetite the breath is short inspirations painful and there is a rattling of mucus in chest or throat the most prominent symptom perhaps is the frequent cough it is at first dry ringing and evidently painful in a few days however or sooner it softens and there is a discharge of frothy mucus with it and in the latter stages of pus and ropey mucus treatment keep the patient in a comfortable well-ventilated apartment with free access in and out if the weather be dry let the bowels be freely acted upon to begin with but no weakening discharge from the bowels must be kept up after the bowels have been moved we should commence the exhibition of small doses of tartar emetic with squills and opium thrice a day if the cough is very troublesome give this mixture tincture of squills five drops to thirty paregoric ten drops to sixty tartar emetic one sixteenth of a grain to one grain syrup and water a sufficiency thrice daily we may give a full dose of opium every night in mild cases carbonate of ammonia may be tried it often does good the dose being from two grains to ten in camphor water or even plain water 
the chronic form of bronchitis will always yield if the dog is young to careful feeding moderate exercise and the exhibition of cod liver oil with a mild iron tonic the exercise however must be moderate and the dog kept from the water a few drops to a teaspoonful of paregoric given at night will do good and the bowels should be kept regular and a simple laxative pill given now and then diarrhea or looseness of the bowels or purging is a very common disease among dogs of all ages and breeds it is nevertheless more common among puppies about three or four months old and among dogs who have reached the age of from seven to ten years it is often symptomatic of other ailments causes very numerous in weekly dogs exposure alone will produce it the weather too has no doubt much to do with the production of diarrhea in most kennels it is more common in the months of july and august although it often comes on in the very dead of winter puppies if overfed will often be seized with this troublesome complaint a healthy puppy hardly ever knows when it has had enough and it will moreover stuff itself with all sorts of garbage acidity of the stomach follows with vomiting of the ingesta and diarrhoea succeeds brought on by the acrid condition of the kind which finds its way into the duodenum this stuff would in itself act as a purgative but it does more it abnormally excites the secretions of the whole alimentary canal and a sort of subacute mucous inflammation is set up the liver too becomes mixed up with the mischief throws out a superabundance of bile and thus aids in keeping up the diarrhoea among other causes we find the eating of indigestible food drinking foul or tainted water too much green food raw punches foul kennels and damp draughty kennels symptoms the purging is of course the principal symptom and the stools are either quite liquid or semi-fluid bilious looking dirty brown or clay colored or mixed with slimy mucus in some cases they resemble dirty water sometimes as already said a little blood will be found in the dejection owing to congestion of the mucous membrane from liver obstruction in case there be blood in the stools a careful examination is always necessary in order to ascertain the real state of the patient blood it must be remembered might come from piles or polypi or it might be dysenteric and proceed from ulceration of the rectum and colon in the simplest form of diarrhoea unless the disease continues for a long time there will not be much wasting and the appetite will generally remain good but capricious in bilious diarrhoea with large brown fluid stools and complete loss of appetite there is much thirst and in a few days the dog gets rather thin although nothing like so rapidly as in the emaciation of distemper the treatment will it need hardly be said depend upon the cause but as it is generally caused by the presence in the intestine of some irritating matter we can hardly err by administering a small dose of castor oil combining with it if there be much pain which you can tell by the animal's countenance from five to twenty or thirty drops of laudanum or of the solution of the muriate of morphia this in itself will often suffice to cut short an attack the oil is preferable to rhubarb but the latter may be tried the simple not the compound powder dose from ten grains to two drams of bolus if the diarrhoea should continue next day proceed cautiously remember there is no great hurry 
and a sudden check to diarrhea is at times dangerous to administer dog doses of the aromatic chalk and opium powder or give the following medicine three times a day compound powdered catechu one grain to ten powdered chalk with opium three grains to thirty mix if the diarrhea still continues good may accrue from a trial of the following mixture laudanum five to thirty drops dilute sulfuric acid two to fifteen drops in camphor water this after every liquid motion or if the motions may not be observed three times a day if blood should appear in the stools give the following quino powder one to ten grains powder ipecac one fourth to three grains powdered opium one half to two grains this may be made into a bolus with any simple extract and given three times a day the food is of importance the diet should be changed the food requires to be of a non-stimulating kind no meat being allowed but milk and bread sago or arrowroot or rice etc to drink either pure water with a pinch or two of chlorate and nitrate of potash in it or patent barley water if the dog will take it the bed must be warm and clean and free from draughts and in all cases of diarrhea one cannot be too particular with the cleanliness and disinfection of the kennels End of chapter 51, part 1. Recording by Shena Sayre, Fresno, California.